Hi, I'm Tom Power. Welcome to Toy Heart, a podcast about bluegrass. This is the last episode of season two here from Nashville is my conversation with Allison Krauss. I remember, you know, the first time I looked out in the audience and saw people singing words to our songs that only we had recorded. That was just a really crazy moment. Just never thought it would end up being there. Never thought we'd hear back from Rounder. Yeah. Never thought we would hear from Rounder in the first place. If this is your first time listening, you can hear full interviews with Jerry Douglas, Allison Brown, Bela Fleck, Larry Sparks, Jody Stecker, and so many more wherever you get your podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Later on. think about the people that like the people like yourselves and you know Sarah DeRose is I guess she's really influenced by me and stuff and and I go well that's really cool and uh, it's reassuring but it's also like I'm kind of cheering them on I, I like that they're you know they're growing and they're surprising me and uh, I just can't wait to see what's next so I, I just feel lucky to be in the path of tradition alongside the people that well I'm kind of ahead of the, I guess I'm after the people went before me and then I'm seeing the people that are, that are, that are coming up in my wake. And, uh, but luckily I'm still kind of walking alongside them. It's cool. Welcome to the Travis Book Happy Hour Podcast. I'm Travis Book. This episode is brought to you by Thompson Guitars, makers of fine instruments handmade with love in Sisters, Oregon. The podcast is presented by Americana Vibes and the Bluegrass Situation, and our show is part of the Bluegrass Situation Podcast Network. You can dive into all things Roots music anytime at thebluegrasssituation.com. Tim O'Brien has always been one of my biggest influences. I love his voice, his playing, and his writing. His album Red on Blonde was his tribute to Bob Dylan, and it scored him a Grammy nomination. As a member of the legendary bluegrass band Hot Rise, he spent the 80s traveling and playing, honing his craft. His record Fiddler's Green is one of my favorites. I was humbled when he agreed to join me for the happy hour, and the show was a career highlight for me. I hope you enjoy it, and if you do, please subscribe and leave a review. Book Happy Hour with special guest Tim O'Brien and also featuring the Happy Hour House Band with Jan Fabricius and Tommy Marr. And now, your host and mine, Travis Book. Thank you, Bill. Welcome to the happy hour, everyone. It's been a few months since we did one of these, so uh, grateful to have Tim O'Brien here tonight. I'll start out how I always do. Why we worry, tell me. Why we cry, tell me. Can we live together without pain? Burdens at our doorstep, burdens in our hearts. 
time to let them trample, lay them down. From the tallest mountain down in the lowest valley, we're all asking and we want to know why we're climbing. Tell me why we're falling. Tell me where we're going. We want to know right sunrise. Rise. We've been hoping there's a new day coming and it it's not promised, but it's all we know. Can we quantify it? Try and name it. Try to fight it while we hold it close. Rise. Sunrise. Rise. That's my man Tommy Marr down there in the Dobro. So grateful for you, Tommy. I don't know where I'd be without you. Thank you, Travis. I love you very much. Thank you, Tommy. Man, really appreciate you all, you all coming out tonight and tuning in. There's a lot of you uh, tuning in out there on the interwebs, and some of you will be watching this after the fact. And it's been... Um, it's been a long it's been a long time since I did one of these. I think this is like a 22nd or 23rd happy hour episode I've done and when we started during the pandemic it was like every 2 weeks and it was all we had. And you know, and I don't know if you've noticed but things are getting back to normal, you know. We're we're in here and we're hanging out and it's feeling good. The pandemic is not over. At least that's what my dad tells me, but it's starting to feel really endemic. And I have always joked, I started joking like a few months ago. I'm like, I'll give this thing two years. I'll give it till March 11th, 2022. And then I'm going to be like up to here with this thing. And, um, and I know that everybody else is feeling the same, but, um, you know, uh, great job, everyone. We're, we're doing it. We're getting endemic. It feels good. Everyone's doing their part. <laughs> walking on eggshells trying to talk about that stuff. I don't even know. Like, my dad's going to text me and be like, dude. Um, so excited that Tim O'Brien is here. Um, as you are, too, because you're here. You bought the ticket. You want to take the ride. 
You know, when I started playing this music, um, uh, the Hot Rise 20th anniversary uh, CD got stuck in my CD player in my 86 Forerunner, and so I listened to that a lot. Like, I know that music so well, and, and, <clears throat> and you know, and I don't, I don't know, if, I don't know if, it, if it still is this way, but I know the first probably like four or five years that I was playing and singing bluegrass, I pretty much did everything I could to sound like Tim O'Brien, and so... <laughs> Um, so to have him here tonight is, is, is really amazing. We had a great show last night in Brevard, and, and tonight should be good, too. I've got a bunch of questions I'm going to ask him and try to put him on the spot. Another thing that has happened since I uh, saw you last uh, is that the, my band, the infamous String Dusters, put out a record. It's called Toward the Fray. And, um, and we're, we're, really, we're really happy about it. Right? I listened to the whole thing already, actually, and it's really good. Just one time? Yes. Okay, thanks, Tommy. That's good. <laughs> That's good. You still get paid. <laughs> so I'll play a, I'll play a song, I'll play a, a version of a song that's on there, a song I wrote, uh, basically wrote on Instagram with a little help from my friend Paul Hoffman from Green Sky Bluegrass. And um, you can actually go back on my story and watch three days, consecutive days, me hashing this one out. But uh, Tommy's going to join me for this. Play this song. We'll take a little short break for our sponsors, and then we'll get Tim out here and start asking him some questions. So thanks again, everybody, for being here. Feeling that I'm done 
You know, usually, uh, sometimes I'll make up an elaborate introduction for somebody, um, but, but I, I, you know, sometimes it can be kind of weird. I like talk about how amazing someone is, and they got to come up here and stand in front of you and like prove how amazing they are. So I'm just going to have him come up here, and we're going to get into it. Please make welcome to the stage, Mr. Tim O'Brien. Tim, do you mind if I ask you a few questions? No. <laughs> I'm trying to get ready. I'm ready to answer your questions. <laughs> I, brought, I brought you a stool if you'd like to get comfy, but, you know. Okay. Yeah. But you're Tim O'Brien, so you can do whatever the hell you want. Yeah. I, uh, I just thought, you know, I should get my stuff plugged in. But, you know, <laughs> that's okay. 
Hey, uh, we're on an interview segment, so I can like, it's like we're sitting on a couch. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Hey, cool. How's everybody doing tonight? Hey. Handheld. Hey. <laughs> I'm Jerry Springer. Welcome to the show. You know, I never, I actually never really noticed there is a little bit of a resemblance to Mr. Springer. The Jerry Springer of bluegrass right here. Um, <laughs> uh, but in all seriousness, Tim, <laughs> you grew up in West Virginia. Yes, I come from Wheeling, West Virginia. That's in the northern panhandle. Have anybody, anybody ever been up there? Yeah. We're in North Carolina. You know, uh, there's an episode of uh, Andy Griffith's show where uh, Howard Sprague, there's this girl is kind of interested in him, and they, Andy and, uh, and Howard go up on the train to Wheeling, and she stands him up, and they have to come back, and it's very sad. That is the That's where I'm from. That is sad. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, where the river meets the road. The Ohio River flows through there. Ohio County. Ohio County, yeah. Was, uh, was music around when you were growing up? Was it part of your family scene? Well, my, uh, my dad sang, the bear went over the mountain, the bear went over the mountain when he was driving. <laughs> and uh, I dream of Jeannie with a long brown hair. That's about all he would sing. And then he would sing in church. And my sister started singing... Um, we started singing in harmony in church. Uh, you know, she said, "What are you doing, singing harmony?" I said, "Yeah, it sounds okay, doesn't it?" And uh, and then I, then we uh, got interested in in the Beatles, and uh, and we went to see the Beatles play at Pittsburgh at the Civic Arena, yeah. September of that year, whatever it was. And then I uh, soon after that, a bunch of my friends got guitars, uh, you know, Sears and Robux guitars, and we started playing. And I I learned how to play Peter Gunn, do ba do ba do 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 do. And I was off. I got, a, I, I got my own. That was it. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> and immediately got in a band, probably, right? I mean, that's what yeah, you we do. had the terrible bands, and we played, like, we thought we had a band. We knew, like, four songs. And we played parties, a couple parties. <laughs> and then we played these record hops. We played, uh, like, the, uh, I can't remember the name of the station. It was a pop station in Wheeling, and they would do these record hops. The teenagers would come around, and we'd play, like, a 20-minute set, and then they would spin records for a half hour. And then you'd do another 20-minute set. And then my parents would come pick me up. <laughs> and off to bed. <laughs> yeah. And then there was also this radio show in, in Wheeling. It was a um, country music station. It was kind of an important one and had a Saturday night uh, live broadcast called the Wheeling Jamboree, WWVA. And they broadcast uh, all the way up into Canada and, um, you know, all th up to New England. All my, my bluegrass buddies from the Northeast kind of would listen to that late at night. And... Um, I could go down there on Saturday night and see the pros play. I see Jerry Lee Lewis and uh, Merle Haggard and Charlie Pride and Jerry Reed and stuff like that. Yeah, it was pretty cool. So how how did that lead to mandolin though and songwriting? Well, I met, I met some bluegrass guys. Of course, I heard some on the jamboree, and then um, um, my aunt gave me a fiddle that she used to play in the symphony before she got married and had kids and everything. So I tried to make some sense of that. I went to college for a year. I, I didn't last long in college, but I was there a year, and I learned how to play the mandolin. Nice. <laughs> My friend had a mandolin, and he had a, he had a book that had some tablatures for a mandolin, and they were songs that I already, tunes, fiddle tunes that I already knew on the guitar from listening to Doc Watson. And so I went, oh, that's how the fiddle works, yeah. you know, because it's the same tuning and stuff. So then I went home and got the fiddle, and then my dad had a, had played a banjo mandolin in college, and so he had this thing laying around. So Those this really that cool. terrible sounding thing. I mean, really loud. 
No way you could ever tune it. I mean, a mandolin you can't tune anyway. But a banjo mandolin with a head and eight strings. Yeah, uh, totally. You combine crazy. two completely untunable instruments into one instrument. <laughs> yeah. There's no possible way. Yeah. It's, it's sure, sure way to turn everybody away from you and to spend a lot of time alone. It's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, they call that the isolator. <laughs> so you're playing mandolin. You're in college, but you're not really going to college. You're doing what a lot of us do in college, which is, you know... I was studying Doc Watson records and uh, David Bromberg records, and um, and there was a, some real Dylan freaks on the on our in our dormitory. We played in the in the in the dormitory stairwell, me and a couple buddies. Good my friends had their 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 music. Their um, my two buddies that played guitar and bass and banjo. They they um, their room was the Ozone Music Center. We always put the towel, you know, under the door. So, you know. Uh-huh. You know <laughs> Kind of keep oh, yeah. keep the smells inside, uh-huh. and then then we would go to the stairwell where there was a lot of echo, and we would play, and uh, you know sing the songs by the band and uh, you know Doc Watson and stuff. So most of us, most of us were first exposed to you uh, through through the legendary band Hot Rise, which was a Colorado institution. How how did how did you end up in Colorado? What what set your trajectory west? Well, I um. I had spent summers uh, working in a summer camp in Jackson Hole, and some friends were um, going to spend the winter out there. And I, 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 I didn't go back to college the second year, so I, I went out there. I got landed out there right before Thanksgiving of that '73, and I, I, I dug in and I, I played uh, solo in, you know, bars and um, a pizza parlor. I played at a pizza parlor, and I lived behind the pizza parlor in a little house there. The guy gave me a place, and he fed me burnt pizzas and stuff. <laughs> Yeah, like the left, leftover stuff. Yeah. Stuff and, you um, couldn't serve. So I, I studied, I woodshedded on the fiddle, so and then I had a friend that I'd met in, a fellow I'd met in West Virginia who was living in Colorado, and he said, you should come out there, and you can play in our band, and maybe you can work, you know, give lessons in the music store. So I did. There wasn't much going on at Jackson Hole, so I I made it to, down to Boulder, and I met all these people, and then I just I just stayed there for 22 years, basically. And um, I was in a band there called Ophelia Swing Band, and then... In 1978, Hot Rise started, and uh, then yeah. we did that for a dozen years full time. Yeah, can you? Can you talk? Can you, Chautauqua. Can you tell me a little bit? Like, explain. Hot Rise was so was so sort of seminal for a bunch of these Colorado bands. Uh, like the late, like it was it was such a big influence on the late 90s bluegrass scene it also you know even like bands like the ones i was in in the early aughts we really traced our origins to hot rise how did that band come together well um there was a little record label there in denver called biscuit city and uh the ophelia swing band made a record and then they offered me a deal to make a solo record make a fiddle record so i did that and i and i had been sitting in um when i was able to with a with uh, Pete Wernick and Charles Sautel. They had a band called the Rambling Drifters. They played every Tuesday at the Denver Folklore Center. Like one Tuesday, they'd be the Rambling Drifters. The next Tuesday, they'd be the Drifting Ramblers. <laughs> Rebuilt Ramblers. They had all kind of different names, but they, it, was, it was those two guys and a guy named Warren Kennison and various bass players and various fiddle players and dobro players. Nick played the dobro with them some, and I, I played the fiddle with them when I could. And, um, and then Pete Wernick made a record, too, that I helped him on. Charles played on both my record and Pete's, and then um, Pete called up and said, well, let's get a little group together, and we'll go and promote our records, and that was in the fall of 77, so we started playing gigs in January of 78, and 
you know, there was always just a carrot at the end of the stick. We kept going for it, never kind of reached it, and we kept playing, you know. And we we kept getting a few more gigs, and um, Nick joined the band soon soon after we uh, played our first gigs, and it's just kind of we had a good time. We were like, you know, four uh, four guys against the world. In a we had a we bought a '68 Cadillac, <laughs> Sedan Deville, and uh, we put a we got a trailer, a old U-Haul trailer that we we painted to sort of sort of match it, kind of. And um, and we traveled down the road with that thing. We had our PA in the back and um, a bunch of T-shirts <laughs> to sell. That's amazing, <laughs> Tim. You're easily like you're easily one of my biggest influences. But who who really influenced you early on? Well, you know, I talked about the Beatles and stuff. But my 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 older brother uh, Trip, he was um, um, ten years older than me. He went away to college, and when he came back, he had uh, records by. Uh, Peter, Paul, and Mary, and Odetta, and Joan Baez, but he also had Ray Charles, and Miles Davis, Lambert Hendrickson Ross. The, Can the Count Basie Orchestra was Joe Williams singing blues. And I just said, well, this is really cool. And then, um, then like I said, I got into the Beatles kind of right around then, too. So then, um, what was the question? <laughs> oh, the oh, well, the, then there was this guy uh, that showed up on TV, on public TV one day, uh, Doc Watson, and I just went, wow, what is that? And I said, wow, that's how you play the guitar. That's way, that seems like the best thing in the entire world. And uh, so I kind of got into him. I remember my dad waking me up like at, at 7 in the morning, you know, like a half hour before I had to get up to go to school. He said, Tim, your friend's on TV. <laughs> Doc <laughs> nice. Watson was on the Today Show. <laughs> nice. You know, so, uh, you know, I got, got up. I just was really into Doc, and... Um, when I was in high school, I saw him for the first time, and uh, Doc and Merle. But yeah, Doc was kind of the thing. And uh, there was a guy also in, in Wheeling that um, Roger Bland was a great banjo player, and, and uh, he, he, uh, he really taught me a lot about timing and got my first taste of, of playing bluegrass there. It was, it, that was just the beginnings of it, though. But yeah, that's, those, Doc Watson, you know, kind of, Kind of hard to beat that, and uh, it just kind of keeps going. But you know, I got into Irish music and blues. You know, like the stuff like the Beatles and Doc Watson. There's always a sort of a door behind them of where their influences were, so you kind of figure out who they who they're getting their songs from. And Ralph Stanley, Ralph Stanley yeah, Ralph Stanley, uh, Flat and Scruggs. Uh, but I mean, you know, beyond that, um, Doc Watson family. That was a fantastic record. Just kind of turned my head around. When you're listening to music these days, what what do you listen to? Well, you know, I you know I'm, I I listen to I I get on my uh, my uh, device, you know, my handheld device, and I listen. I kind of search for things, um, weird things, and maybe I'll read about them in the paper or something, and I'll check it out. Um, but uh, then, mostly at home, I'll listen to stuff that I already know, and I kind of I kind of hear new things in it. I kind of go back over old stuff a lot. It's kind of I'm getting old. I'm actually am I'm actually old. You don't look you don't look <clears> old, <throat> Tim. You never you never have. I got a social security card. It's weird, man. I'm gonna go gray before you do. What is a day? What is a day in the life of Tim O'Brien like? Well, I just read a lot. I read. A lot. I get up in the morning and I read a lot, and um, and then um, I work at the. At the, in the office, you know, the home office, and kind of get the logistics of a tour or, you know, a recording session together. 
but then I'll practice and uh, maybe write. I like to cook. I like to, you know, I like to keep the kitchen going and uh, try new things that way. But, you know, it's just, uh, I, uh, you'd have to ask Jan. My, my wife can tell you what the day's like. She, she'll tell you a completely different story. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was going to say, I bet, you, I bet you if we really want to know, we should ask Jan. Um, so you alluded to it a moment ago. You know, you've been around for a while. You've been at this a little while. Uh, what, what keeps you motivated? What keeps you inspired? Well, the music keeps uh, surprising me. You know, the, what was amazing during the pandemic was um, I, got, I went back to basics. You know, uh, I got some... A guy shipped me a, 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 a mandocello. I'd always wanted one. And an old friend of Brian Bowers, he's, he said, I'm 80 years old and used to play this mandocello and I'm, I'm not leaving my compound here until there's a vaccine. My girlfriend can't even come around. He said, uh, so if I don't make it, these instruments are just not going to go anywhere, so I'm going to ship them around to my friends in the meantime. So he sent me this. It was a tearful conversation. He ships me this, this old Gibson, you know, 19... 15 mando cello and uh, I always wanted one and then I've got a mandola and I've got mandolins and I thought well what do I do with this and I, I tried to write a string quartet you know like what the it would be two violins a mando a viola and a cello well you can do that with mandolins of the sizes so I learned how to write in the tenor clef and the bass clef which is freaky I didn't never tried that I could write in the treble clef so I took some Irish harp tunes and started trying to to uh, harmonize them and make them kind of like a, you know, a little Baroque kind of powdered wig sounds. <laughs> and uh, I did that, and um, then I wrote a bunch of songs, and I made a record. I learned how to, uh, I never really, I had a Pro Tools rig, and I finally learned how to use it. Oh, nice. And that was good. I ended up, that, that, that was good. I did a couple of days in a, a traditional studio with a, with a band, and then did all the, the overdubs and voc background vocals and stuff at home. So that was, that was a good experience. Very cool. I'm going to ask you one more question, then we'll get you to play. Do you, do you think about your legacy, and is it important to you? Well, I'm really happy that uh, I'm still able to do this, uh, and uh, I keep trying to find... Yeah, I keep trying to find uh, new ways into it and get deeper, and you know, I keep trying to get better at it. My, my uh, old teacher, Dale Bruning, um, is 89 now, and he... He's, he said the same thing. He said, I learned, he said, I just, I found, I, I went back to the basics and I really learned a lot of things, things that had never occurred to me. Uh, and I'm, that's really inspiring to me. So um, I think about the people that, like the people like yourselves and, you know, Sarah Jarose is, I guess she's really influenced by me and stuff. And, and I go, well, that's really cool. And uh, it's reassuring. But it's also like I'm kind of cheering them on. I, I like that they're, you know, they're growing and they're surprising me, and uh, I just can't wait to see what's next. So I, I just feel lucky to be in the path of tradition alongside the people that, well, I'm, I'm kind of ahead of the. I guess I'm after the people went before me, and then I'm seeing the people that are, that are, that are coming up in my wake. And uh, but luckily, I'm still kind of walking alongside them. It's cool, very cool. You really are. We're really, we're really lucky to have you. This is Tim O'Brien, everybody. I'm gonna let Tim. Uh, I'm gonna let Tim play one because he is so capable, and he doesn't really need a band. Although we have prepared judiciously to be his band tonight, and we're really excited about it. But we're gonna let, we'll let Tim kick things off. Thanks everybody for being here. This is Tim O'Brien.
I'm going to go back to basics. This is a song uh, by, uh, that I've heard Bill Monroe sing every time I saw him play.
Well, we never know each other. Keep them deep in silence. Wash away the troubles, keeping us apart. Tell those untold stories. Let the heat start. It's been so long ago that we went our separate ways. Now maybe time has changed us and wore the hurt away. You look the same as ever, and I'm glad you're here with me. Take a look into my eyes and tell me what you see. It's all those untold stories, all those silent lies. We'll never know each other, keeping it deep inside us. Wash away the troubles, keeping us apart. Tell those untold stories, let the healing start. Oh. 
treadmill keep the slaving away There's no time for talking about trouble in mind And the doors are all closed between your heart and mine More love I can hear our hearts crying More love I know that's all we need More love Hold us and lift us above If there's ever an answer It's more comes from a book. Uh, I had the melody and uh, chord, chord thing, and it just wouldn't let me alone. I never could figure out what the song was about. And then I read this book by Annie Prue called um, Postcards, and it's about a guy who leaves uh, his uh, home under mysterious circumstances. They, he may, he thinks he may have killed someone. He wasn't really sure. It was like unintentional, but he figures he's going to get in trouble for it, so he just leaves. And uh, then he, he writes home but he never says where he is, and he basically never stops moving. And uh, I was saying this last night, we were, we were doing our rehearsal. It was, uh, you know, it's, we, Jan and I ramble all over the world, and uh, we, we were lucky we have a place to come home to. 
And I can't imagine not having that. This is called Brother Wind. You guys, only friend is the wind. Made up my mind to go someplace so far away. said goodbye, no hugs or cheers that way, probably for the best, sent cards along the way, said I was looking for a brand new life, and I'd never settle down, my wanderlust would always cut the ties, just like a knife. a lonesome wind it calls out like it knows me and on a night like this when I don't know where to go it shows me the way she knows me my brother crooked stream to places I have never been in a one more highway sign and I'm like some other guys I might count the hours till the day will end it's not so I can rest for me it's the time that's best for talking to my friend cause he knows Cracked and brown, a bit to the desert ground, and the dusty wind that always seemed to blow. And I never made a mark, I just scattered footsteps on these shifting sand. Whatever pushes me, it's something only he could ever understand.
Tim O'Brien. I'll keep it brief. We, um, we went through my entire life story. Let's start over again. <laughs> I forget how it started and what it was all about. I just woke up. Make, make, it, make it up different this time. <laughs> so yes, I was born in South America. <laughs> to a um, you, check this out. You fielded some incredible bands over the years. I remember specifically watching... Um, Four Corners Folk Festival, after you put out the Crossing record, you had, you know, Casey Dreesen, uh, John Doyle, who are both, both uh, uh, Asheville residents now, yeah. Kenny Malone. That band was so hot. I also remember specifically watching Danny Barnes blow my mind playing electric guitar <laughs> at, at Big Sky Big Grass. How, how do you decide who to hire for your band? Well, they're just uh, friends, you know, that I've, I've admired, you know, and I, and I feel like uh, they could teach me something. And uh, Daryl Scott was that way. I, I, I asked Daryl to, I asked Daryl to, uh, if he would open uh, some shows. We were, I had a, a run of gigs booked in the UK and Ireland and Scotland. And I said, Daryl, would you like to come and help share driving and you could open the show? I mean, we could split sets and maybe we could play a few songs together. And uh, we had written some songs together. And then we played our first gig and it was like, um, we we started playing together. It was like he didn't need to know any of my songs, and I didn't need to know any of his. It just we just played, and after that first night, we just played every night all the whole night. And we never made up a set list, and we just we just wailed. That's and incredible. that was like you know that kind of thing. You find those kind of combinations. Casey was a was a was a. Uh, I met him through his dad. And mom, uh, he was just like eight and nine, starting to play the fiddle, and then when I saw. Uh, his dad one time he said, about four four years later he said, oh, "Tim, he's passed me by," and then he he was asking me about you know what I what he should do to learn stuff and I was saying, "Well, you're just doing what you're doing." And then I had to put together a band for Steve Earle uh, when uh, Del McCurry left his tour, and uh, I, most of the fiddle players that I liked that I knew were were uh, busy already, and, and I called Casey and he had just out of high school. He said, "Great," <laughs> I was like that. Kid just came up there and just you know in his red shoes and just knocked everybody's socks. You know, it just turns me on. That's all. I like yeah. people that I really admire. Yeah. Can I ask you specifically? Uh, you know, this this last year we we lost Kenny Malone, who was such an incredible person. Can you talk a little bit about him? Kenny was. Uh, I met him through Daryl, and um, the first gig I played with Daryl with him, I, I said, because uh, Kenny was a you know, jazz guy. You know, he's kind of a spiritual. I didn't realize he was like a real jokester. He had he was like, you know, had a million jokes. And uh and uh but he was an ex Navy jazz band guy, or you know, a uh, big band guy. He moved to Nashville and became a, a legendary drummer, but he sort of pulled back from that. And when Daryl was playing with him, he was sort of doing uh different kinds of sessions kind of. He was still doing the big sessions, but he really liked doing the different stuff. And uh, it was the first drummer I ever played with. It was so copacetic, but then he turned out he was like the simplest guy. He was like he was so brilliant uh, at getting in the moment, but he was so spiritual. Like it was just a very simple thing that it was about with him to get to the groove. And he it, it, like he just he didn't like he if he would had to fix a part he'd say he wouldn't say that will work. He'd say 
that's it, because he knew where he was headed. I don't know, he just, uh, Kenny, was, Kenny was one of a kind, and um, he always, always had a headband, and he always had a lot of, he'd have a t-shirt with a wolf on it or something. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> you know, like, like, yes. <laughs> some really, like, almost like a thrift store find. He always had a can, a Coke can, an empty Coke can in his car because he made a pipe out of it. <laughs> he, he didn't want to get Classic busted. Classic move. He would, he would smoke out of it, and then he would throw it away. Yeah. And he'd get another Coke, and then he'd, then he'd be ready for the next, you know, uh, trip in his car. That's, that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty genius. I was, that reminds me, when I was, when I was in high school, I was um, hanging out with my buddies, and we were doing donuts in a field. It was snowy, and then we were sitting in my buddy's Bronco, and we were getting stoned, and the cops showed up. And, um, and my, my friend, he had the, he's mentioned Coke can. My friend had the wherewithal. He took the bag of weed, and he stuffed it in the Coke can. And so when the cop got us out, he went to empty his pockets, and he put the Coke can on the hood of the police car, searched him, and then when it was time for him to go, he took his Coke can back, and he left. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're going to do, we're, we're do this tune in this next set, so we're getting a little ahead of, it, ahead of, a little ahead of ourselves. But... Um, this tune, uh, not, not Afraid of Dying, it, it, this is stuff your father actually said to you, right? Yeah, my dad, um, he died when he was 96. My, my mom died um, about six years before, and um, he, he kind of wondered why he was still around. Like, he was almost 90 when he had open-heart surgery because he thought, they told him, because he was a young, young 89. He really was. He was like, they said, you know, they said, you could probably you could probably survive this. And my mom was real sick, and he did that so that he could help care for her. So he, he survived her, and then it, you know, after she was gone, he was like, I don't know why I'm around, but I'm gonna keep, I'm sure of something. And he sang in the funeral choir, <laughs> and uh, he... Um, and, dro and, and drove the widowers. Yeah, he, could widows. he would drive the widows to, to, uh, on the Wednesday night, you know, early bird dinners. Uh, they, you know, th he could see, he could drive, he could hear, he could not hear, but he could drive, he could see, and he would drive them there. <laughs> and he only went to places he knew exactly where he was going, and um, it, it was remarkable, really. And uh, he was so optimistic. He was the most optimistic guy I've, I've ever known. And uh, yeah, he's just, he was. Uh, you know, he, he loved his hometown of Wheeling, West Virginia, and he, he really hoped, he, he, he said, it's going to be coming back. You know, the steel business had gone, and the town was kind of dead and everything. And he said, I think it's coming back. And now, you know, all these years later, it is kind of coming back in Wheeling, and uh, his wishes come true. So, That's really cool. So you produced, you produced the Dusters, String Dusters' second yeah, record. Yeah, that was really a fun thing. Do you, do you, do you, do you remember that? Yes, I do. <laughs> Compass do you, Studios. Do you have any memories of that session? Well, you guys were, uh, it was mostly just, uh, you know, you guys were so ready to go. You, there was very little uh, I had to do. It was just like, stop, that's good. You're done. <laughs> stop, guys, stop. Seriously. I mean, you guys it's were fine. so young and, and revved up. And um, I don't know, String Dusters is a killer band. And uh, you guys were... You guys were finding it right there. You guys started out, uh, you, you had a lot of stuff together when you, when you first came around. You're one of the first sort of hot lick new bands that had really good singing. All, a whole bunch of great singers in that band. And, uh, Thanks, man. And, uh, and songwriters, and uh, you guys have just kept it up. I'm so proud of you guys. Really Thanks, fantastic. Tim. I appreciate that. We're not, we're not, we're not going anywhere. We'll be, we'll be around a long good, time. Good. Um, 
He likes so the do I. Busters, yeah. Great band. I've been to all their shows. <laughs> Except for two. I missed two. I missed two. Um, <laughs> Tim, what, what, are you, what are you most proud of? I'm most proud of uh, a few songs that I've written that, I, that, that last. Like that last one, I, I'm proud of that song, uh, Brother Wynn. And, you know, I just, I'm, uh, you know, I'm really happy when I, when I come up with something like that, or, you know, something that I like singing. I don't know. I'm proud of, I'm proud of, of some, of the, some of the records that, that I've made and, um, and the people that I've worked with. I get to, you know, I just, I'm proud of my sons. I had uh, lunch at my... Uh, Son's a place where he he cooks today. It was fantastic. That's awesome. He's really really great. And uh, where? It's uh, called uh, Na Nanny's Chicken. It's in the arcade. Really worth going there. It's really good. What, so uh, would you would you say this is another question I had? Would you say that is Brother Wynn? Do you think that's your, the best song you've ever written? I think it's among them. Yeah, sure. I, I'd say and it's you know I wrote it myself. I, obviously, I'm responding to somebody else. That's the thing. It's like I'm. Um, it's. Nothing new. There's nothing, really nothing new under the sun, or I certainly haven't come up with anything new. But um, everybody tells the same stories a little differently, and if you can tap into your own sort of version of the truth, I guess it kind of it kind of means more. Like if you kind of relate, you kind of you reveal something of yourself. It helps everybody else understand something about themselves. It's just, there's some sort of intersecting thing that happens when a good song gets comes around yeah. and they they seem to be coming out of the air you know when you're when you really get a good one they just seem to sort of fall in yeah and that's one of those yeah and you're you're, you're like you're sort of like great you're kind of grateful for yeah you're you i mean i'm sex. really it's the most exciting thing i mean it's the most it's exciting as sex really is <laughs> jan goes whoa <laughs> <laughs> You're not, you're not, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. And, and that's, um, I, yeah, I've had that sense too, where something sort of materialized and I'm like, yes, like, holy shit, this is awesome. This is coming together. Like, thank you. Um, yeah, Jan will tell you, I, you know, I get, I'll, I'll start laughing. I'll start laughing while I'm writing. So she says, what are you laughing at? I said, well, I just like what I'm doing it's here. It's happening. <laughs> <laughs> it's happening again. Jan, check this she out. Says, it's that's happening not, again. She looks at the words. She says, that's not funny. I said, yeah, I know. That's okay, though. It's really, I like it. <laughs> it just makes me happy. What's the most fun you've ever had making music? Oh, man, I don't know. Um, I just, uh, there's been some, some amazing shows where I thought everything would, would be, nothing would work. Uh, there was one show in in in, uh, in London with Daryl Scott. I had this terrible ear infection, and I could not. I didn't think I could do anything. We went to the we we went to the gig as late as possible, just plugged in and played. And I I was so feeling so bad, but there was a great crowd, and it was in this dive basement bar. But I don't know why. I, it was because I didn't expect anything. It really right. came out great. Yeah. And it was it was surprising, and uh, that's really fun. And uh, it kind of pulls you, it can heal you. I mean, I was sick, and it healed me. That's amazing. It's a it's a force, you know. You you're getting into the stream of something that's bigger, much bigger than you are. It's much. It's like you know, a natural uh, music is like nature. It's like uh, trees growing, or you know, like sun sunlight coming down. It's like it's oxygen. It's 
You just need, yeah, it's like love. It's the same thing as love. It's just a different expression of it. And it's so mysterious. And it comes and goes. And that's when, you, when it comes and it's there and you're in it, it's like, wow, it's unbelievable. Yeah, totally. I can totally relate. So Tom, Tommy would like, yeah, come on. Yeah. That's why I asked you on the show. I was waiting for that. <laughs> that's what I was waiting for. Tommy would like to know, is Nellie Kane a true story? <laughs> no, Nellie Kane, is, uh, Nellie Kane is just a, you know, I just made up a, made up a story. But it's actually, it's, you know, it's like one of those stories. It's like in a, a Western movie. There's a movie called Shane, one of the classic Westerns. And, uh, <clears throat> the, you know, the, the protagonist is this sort of drifter who comes in and the and the woman's by herself in the frontier with her son, and there's her. I guess her, her, uh, the son's father has gone off. You know, has left him and alone. And there's bandits and Indians and all that stuff. And this guy saves him, and then he ends up marrying her, and they live happily after. In, in a, they're in a, it's filmed in Jackson, Wyoming, right under the Tetons. It's like the most beautiful scenery, and uh, so I just kind of write it, wrote it after that story. And the guy that made my Mandolin, the first mandolin I had was a, uh, made, and it's still a play, made by Nugget Mandolins, Mike Kemnitzer. And he had a son, he had married a, a woman that um, had, a, had a young child, and he kind of came in that kind of, I was just thinking of him. So, <coughs> it's very simple. Yeah, well, it's, 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 it's such a true. good song, it's like... Um, it's a shame it's not true. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, Tommy. Um, it's like Bill Monroe. That song, he said, that song's true. He said, oh, that's a good song, but it's a shame it's not true. <laughs> well, that song, you know, it's, it's uh, I mean, you, you, you wrote a song that has become part of the bluegrass lexicon, and it's really, it's really cool. Like, that's, um, that's like, that's kind of like, when you talk about legacy, like, that kind of, to me, is, like, I'd be, that's, I'd be psyched if people, like, that was a song I played that got played around campfires for the rest that's of eternity. That's what's the very coolest is, thing, and that's the very coolest thing that can happen. I mean, I, play, it, I play that song all the time. That, well, that's, that's really awesome, and that's, that's, the, that's the biggest compliment that you can ever get, is somebody else singing your song, but when, it's, when it translates that way, I had a song that Nick Forster and I wrote, and uh, Ralph Stanley recorded it, and he called it traditional, and uh, I thought, wow, that's really kind of cool. <laughs> He'd know. <laughs> I know. All right, I just got, I just got, I got three more questions for you, and you, can, you, you don't have to labor over these if you want to, and then we'll get back to the music. Um, what color is your front door? Is it green? Yeah. It's green. It's green. He doesn't use the front door. Uh, what, 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 if anything, are you afraid of? Oh, sticking my foot in my mouth, you know. Well, I you've do done great tonight so far. I, I do that a lot. I, uh, I just don't want to. I don't want to disappoint people. I'm trying to live up to something. I'm afraid of that, I guess. I try, to, I try to do my best. I'm afraid of kind of losing my interest, I guess. But I, that hasn't happened yet. No, you, I don't think you're at any risk of that. What? <laughs> and finally, Tim, what, what is it that makes you happy? Well, making music and uh, being with pre people that make music. And, um, yeah, uh, I... Uh, being in the community, I love it. I love the community of the musicians, and um, it's I'm you know I love doing it. Uh, the process, it's just it's nothing that it's not like you do it and uh, you kind of it's not like work. 
it's a, it's a way of life. It's just a, a path you follow, and it's just, I love that. It's just like all day long. Well, you're, <laughs> well, you're never, amazing. It never at goes it. away. It's Tim O'Brien, everybody. Let's get back to playing some music. That's Tim O'Brien right there. I mean, he's like, he's like, he's like right over there. Just look at him. Okay. Um, um, this is a, I really like this next song. It's on a new record called He Walked On. And uh, it's, uh, it's one of these ones that just fell out. I didn't know if it was any good. And uh, I played it for Sam Bush. He said, oh, it sounds like a really good Tim O'Brien song. To me, it sounded like, I said, I just wondered if it was something that he already played, you know. And, uh, but it, uh, it just fell out because um, all through Black Lives Matters, you know, everybody's watching the news and kind of reading up on stuff and just trying to, you know, reckon with things. It, it was a, it was a wake-up call. I mean, it's, it's something that we, society has been working on for hundreds of years, and it was a, it was a, it was a new wake-up call and sort of intense... Uh, uh, re-investigation and um, when John Lewis, Congressman John Lewis died, it was uh, he was such a hero and uh, I remember when Trump said, oh he's a do-nothing Congressman, I'm going, jeez man he has a, what a lame what a lame description, he's like a hero and um, but he had this, uh, this uh, expression, when you pray had this expression, when you pray, move your feet which is basically an old I think an old African proverb and it's basically saying, you know Walk the walk. Put into action what you're talking about, what you're thinking about. Don't just, you know, don't just think it. Do it. And um, but then it also sort of ends up being a, like a love song to uh, to Jan. And uh, it's sort of like John Lewis kind of comes in later, but it's it's just uh, he's there all along. I mean, it's, he's doing the right thing. He lived that life, and I, it's like you know, trying to be a musician and do the right thing with that is kind of my version of as best I can to be like that. So when you pray, move your feet, and you can sing it. follow through when you pray move your feet bring his love to the people you meet get out your chair walk the street when you pray move your feet I tell my lover everything I know I take her with me everywhere I go understood that we're hand in hand it means much more when we take a stand the true love travels from heart to heart 
It's always there when you're ready to start. Up along a steep and a winding road. Love's gonna help you lift that load. When you pray, move your feet. Bring his love to the people you meet. Get out your chair, walk the street. When you pray, move your feet. clouds rain down move your feet and make a joyful sound the Lord is listening and watching too to keep you safe and to push you through John Lewis is gone and the words ring on and on and on clap your hands help me sing his song good trouble move your feet cause we can't stop that mountain top when you pray move your feet bring his love to the people you meet get out your chair walk the street when you pray move your feet when you pray move your feet bring his love to the people you meet Hey, uh, that's really nice singing these guys are doing. They have John Lewis Way in Nashville now. They, they dedicated that. It's, uh, I think, Fifth Avenue. It goes uh, pretty much through town. And uh, he was... Uh, he worked uh, in the beginnings of the civil rights movement. They were doing the lunch counter sit-ins, and uh, Woolworths on Fifth Avenue was one of the places that they that they worked in. And uh, so you go up, walk up John Lewis Way and go right past where he sat down at the lunch counter. Here's a song about uh, modern times and uh, uh, sort of the fear, a lot of fear going on, a lot of nervousness, a lot of like a cat, you know, like being like a cat in a room full of uh, rocking chairs. It's uh, nervous. I'm nervous. One, two, two, three. I get nervous about the guy in the next lane, about the lucky space on the plane, about the bills I have to pay, and how long the guests will stay. I'll get hungry when I'm walking on the street and there's nothing safe to eat when I count my calories brings me to my knees I'm nervous I got a whole new kind of need so nervous better check my social feed I watch TV on my phone and I'm afraid to be alone I'm nervous in this new world 
They say digital is best, but I need to take a rest. I just can't find the fun and all the zeros and the ones. I'm nervous every few minutes. Stuff pops up on my screen. I don't know what it means. Ten times too much news and then trying to confuse me. I'm nervous. I got a whole new kind of need. So nervous. I better check my social feed. I watch TV on my phone and I'm afraid to be alone. I'm I'm nervous when I go out on a run. I can't conceal my gun. They say this land is free, but they're taking aim at me. I'm nervous. I'm just saying, maybe Omicron is waning, but Trump is still campaigning. Here comes the metaverse. It might just get a lot worse, and I'm nervous. Feed, watch TV on my phone, and I'm afraid to be alone. I'm nervous. I got a whole new kind of need. So nervous. Better check my social feed. I watch TV on my phone, and I'm afraid to be alone. I'm nervous. Here's that song about my dad. He, uh, this is all stuff that he would say to me when I go visit him or talk to him on the phone. Not afraid of dying. Let's see, I put this over here so I can see him. It's been a while on this one. Thanks for requesting this one. Thanks for agreeing to do it. Well, I'm not afraid of dying. He's waiting around, just waving on me. It's a whole lot harder than it used to be Well, I read my book I paid the bill to see a check came in Pick up the widows at six Drive them to dinner, then home again I'm afraid of falling down it's hard enough to get back up I must have dozed a little I'll remind me again what we were talking about I'm not afraid of dying it's just waiting around that's wearing on me just breathing easy it's a whole lot harder than it used to be I've heard every joke I just can't remember enough of even one to tell Put that on speakerphone Well that way the caller won't have to yell I've been around too long While I wasn't looking my life just 
time I see you Well, I know full well it could be my last Digital download stuff kind of hurting your music business some. Who sets all your stuff up? When you play here again, the show hope can come. You know, I tried that station. I just can't make it come on inside these walls. I guess I'm hard of hearing. Sometimes I hear your mother call. Some way you could stay at home. I thought by now you'd be a teacher. I guess that music bug grab you wouldn't leave you alone. You know your boys are really something. It's just so nice you have a beautiful wife. Thanks for coming to see me, lad. had just enough of this life and I'm not afraid of dying Whoa. it's waiting around it's wearing on me just breathing easy it's a whole lot harder than it used to be I'm not afraid of dying Whoa. it's waiting around it's wearing on me just breathing than it used to be whoa yeah thank you This has been the Travis Book Happy Hour Podcast. Thanks for listening. Huge thanks to Tim O'Brien, Jan Fabricius, Tommy Marr, Thompson Guitar, Americana Vibes, and the Bluegrass Situation. If you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe and leave a positive review. It really helps us out. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at the Travis Book Happy Hour and online at thetravisbookhappyhour.com. And remember, 
It's okay to be happy.